You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. We're, uh, we're doing our Shredder Sunday. Anybody raise a hand if you've never experienced a Shredder Sunday at Awaken Church? Okay, all right. We've got a good number of people. Shredder Sunday. So I'm going to explain a little bit what this is about. On your seats, as the, the amazing bakers mentioned, there's a card that has Shredder Sunday on it. And you're going to take that card. And throughout the service, I want you to write down things on this card that you don't want to take with you into 2022. These are things not just from 21, but maybe throughout your whole life that you've been carrying. These are burdens. These are maybe um, negative reports, diagnoses, things that um, that are, have been a, a strain on you, and you know it's not God's best for you. You know it's not his intent for you, especially if it doesn't line up with the word of God. Maybe there's some debts on there that you want to get rid of. Maybe there's some, maybe there's some relationships that you know you need to move past. Maybe there's some uh, problems that you have been facing over 21 or, or throughout your life that have just been kind of sticking points, things that for whatever reason, they've kind of hung around and, uh, and you want to be done with it. You want to be rid of it. Um, in, in our first service, as soon as we plugged in the shredders, all the, the lights came down. So we moved the shredders to the back. Uh, so, uh, at the end of the service, when you've written all these things down on your card, I'm going to have you come forward. The ministry team's going to be up front. They're going to say a quick prayer with you, just agreeing with everything that you've written down. The, what you write on the card is private. It's just for you. Um, so they're just going to say a quick prayer of agreement and you can go into the back and shred those things and, uh, and be rid of them for good in Jesus name. Yeah. Somebody said, amen. Yeah. Amen. Now, there's nothing magical or spiritual about the shredders, but there is a, a value in the process. There's a value in, in writing these things down. It takes a, a bit of a leap of faith to just write some of this stuff down and then come up and receive that prayer in faith. And then faith and works partner together, we're going to go back and we're going to shred those things. It's a great physical representation of what's happening on the inside of you. And so in this message today, I want to I focus... Um, Partly on that, partly on the things that we're getting rid of, like putting the old life behind us, and also on where do you go from here? You know, how do you, how do you get rid of these things, shred these things, but then also start living your life in a way where you don't pick them back up again? Because we know some of these problems have a tendency to, to keep circling back around, as some people like to say, and, uh, and reattaching their so, uh, themselves to us. And we don't want that to happen. We want to get rid of these problems, shred them for good. And uh, so I want to talk a little bit about that. But uh, specifically, I mean, what I've talked about so far, some of the things that you can shred, I want to expand that a little bit and look at maybe what are some of the identities that we can carry or some of the things that maybe we identify with that are not necessarily of the word of God or have been limiting us in some way. And so I also want you to think about, you know, what are what are some labels maybe that have been assigned to you? Maybe not even things that you've uh, called yourself or named yourself or you wear yourself, but maybe other people. People have said some things about you or, or categorized you in a way, and you're tired of that. You're tired of, of being labeled or put into this camp or that camp, and, uh, and you want to move past that into something new that God has for you. So I want to encourage you to open up your heart, allow God to speak to you, allow him to minister for, to you through this, and uh, identify some key areas in your life that you know are not his best for you. 
And I like to say, if you're married and um, there's a lot of white space on there, and if you run out of things to add in, just hand the card to your spouse and they'll fill it out for you. So uh, I'm sure that they'll do a good job filling it up. They'll, they'll remind you of lots of things that you can get rid of that'll be good for you. Lisa, Lisa filled mine out for me last time and there was no white space left. So we're all in good company. All right. You want to jump into this? All right. Who had a good Christmas? Merry Christmas, everybody. We had a great Christmas. The kids woke up entirely too early, though. I don't know. How, they stay up so late, and they wake up so early. And, uh, and so in, like, every, every 15 minutes, like, Grady was coming in to tell us, can we get up now? Can we do presents now? We're like, no, go away. No, don't touch the gifts. And so finally, we had to get up, and we went down, and we allowed them to, to go, do their stockings, open up the stockings, get all those presents, and we say, okay, we're going back upstairs to take a nap. Do not touch your presents. After breakfast, we'll do presents. Um, but it was so much fun. They had a blast. We had some friends over, had a good meal. And uh, a lot of food. You know, they say you are what you eat. But um, if that was true, I'd be a lot of things right now. Thank you, Jesus, that we're doing our fast in January to shed some of those pounds. I'm going to write that on my shredder card as well, LBS. Put that, put that down on your card if you need to. I do. But uh, not LDS, LBS. But <laughs> I guess you can shred that too if you want. But the first, the first thing I want to jump into today is um, the process of transformation. You are what you wear. Not just you are what you eat, but you are what you wear. And this, this may sound a little bit superficial at first. Like, what? You're going to identify me based on my clothing? Well, the Bible does in a couple ways, and we're going to get into that. But just if, for starters, if you think about just in, in society, in the community, you can actually uh, tell a lot about a lot of people based on what they're wearing. For example, if you see a police officer, they have a specific uniform on. You can tell that they're a police officer. You know a lot about their job, obviously, what they're called to do, their vocation. Uh, maybe you don't know a whole lot about their character, but in general, you have an idea of the sense of order and the authority that they carry. Maybe you see somebody in, in hospital attire get up, uh, um, what do you call them? Scrubs. Like my wife wears scrubs as well. She's a dental hygienist, so some people see her out, and maybe they would recognize her role, her job, based on what she's wearing. And I think it's true for us in, in society at large. Like A lot of times, you can identify some things about people um, by what they're wearing. For me, I was in the military, and so I had a specific uniform in the Air Force that I, that I wore. And so anybody could distinguish me or most people could distinguish me from any of the other branches of service based on my uniform. And, uh, when I was, when I was in the military, when I was in the air force, I was stationed at Wright Patterson air force base in Dayton, Ohio. Thank you, Jesus. He moved me to San Diego from Ohio. That was a bit of an upgrade, but, uh, but I had the, the privilege and the honor to serve for a part of my time there on the base honor guard. And the honor guard, their role, their responsibility is to provide funeral services for veterans, active duty members, and retirees that passed away. And honestly, I, I would say that that was the most rewarding aspect of my time in the military service. It's felt where I was really giving back the most. And I have a picture as well I want to put up for one of the details that I was on during the honor guard, and I'm in the back commanding and uh, commanding this rifle line. And it, it was actually not that common around the country for officers to be a part of the honor guard. Usually it's, it's an honor reserve for just enlisted members, but because of the base I was at was very officer heavy, heavy not as much enlisted, I actually got the privilege to, uh, to serve on this honor guard team. And here for an active duty service member's funeral, we're, we had a, a seven-man rifle team and offering the 21-gun salute. 
as a part of that service. And um, I, I so appreciate that time that I had, and it was, a, it was a rewarding experience for me to be able to be a part of honoring our veterans, honoring the, the service members who had passed away. But there came a time when I knew that I needed to shed that uniform. I knew it was time for me to move on, to step out of that role. And, um, and it's not that, that I didn't appreciate or didn't like it, but the season for me was changing. I was stepping out of the military and stepping into something new. And so I think, you know, I really wanted to, to show you this and put this up there because I think that there's maybe some people in here today where you've been operating in a career, maybe for a long time. Maybe you're, you've already put in 20 years in the military or some other career and, and you could retire, but for whatever reason, there's a block. And not just the military, but, but any line of work. Maybe you've been doing something. Maybe you've only been doing it for a few months or a year, but you already know it's not God's best for you. It's not God's design for you. Maybe that's what you need to write on your card today, that you're moving past an old way of earning a living, you know, into something new. And, uh, and you should do it with wisdom. You should surround yourself with wise people, not just, hey, Pastor Michael said that, you know, anybody who wants to get rid of their job, just write it down and get rid of the job. No, you should have a plan for your future. You have a plan to provide for yourself and provide for your family. But maybe this is the start of something. Maybe God is speaking to you today and say, I know this has been on your heart because I put it there. And uh, let's, let's start looking at what is the process? What are the next steps that you can take to moving into that new life? Somebody say amen. 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 So this is a bit of a journey that we're on today. But um, I also want to, to focus on and highlight a few places in Scripture where it talks about maybe there are some negative things, some negative associations with what we can wear or what people do wear that we need to get rid of. And so the first one that I want to look at is the story of blind Bartimaeus. And many of us may be familiar with this story. It's actually in three out of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The story of blind Bartimaeus where um, Jesus is leaving Jericho and there's a crowd of people around him and they're all pressing in on, on all sides. And right outside the city gates, this man named Bartimaeus, which um, is, is not really a name. Bartimaeus just means son of Timaeus. So it, it doesn't even list his actual name in the Bible. And so this is a man who didn't really have an identity in and of himself, but he had a cloak on. And in, in this time in history, if you were a beggar, and especially a blind person, you, you would depend on giving. You would depend on alms from the poor, the charitable giving of people who would pass by you. And uh, they would have specific, a specific cloak for the people who were authorized beggars, the people who were authorized to sit in the prime spots outside the temple or outside the gates. So it was kind of like the government's way of giving privilege or preference to, to certain people. But you, uh, it became your identity. So Bartimaeus, he wore this cloak as his identity, which allowed him to be a beggar in the good spot. But it was still the identity of a beggar. It was still something that had limited him to this position. And so I want to pick up in, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verse 48. And it says, Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more. When blind Bartimaeus saw Jesus leaving Jericho, uh, or didn't see, but heard leaving, Jesus leaving Jericho, um, this, was, this was a time where, where he 
he relied so much on what he heard. If you're blind, you, all of your other senses have to step up. And so what was most important to him was what he could hear. And he had heard about this Jesus. He had heard about this, this man who was doing miracles all around the country. And he had heard that there was, that there was these, these times where, where Jesus would, would bless somebody. He would heal somebody. He would do something extraordinary. And at this time, blind Bartimaeus is hearing this massive crowd coming out of the city, and he He's thinking, this is my moment. This is the time. This is, this is my opportunity. I've got to do something because I know that where I'm at is not where I want to be. Maybe this is my only chance in life to, to receive a miracle, to receive this blessing. Maybe this is the time where if I can do something that maybe it'll shift my situation. Maybe I can have a change of identity. And so blind Bartimaeus starts to cry out. He says, son of David, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, son of David. And, and the people in the crowd, the disciples are trying to quiet him up because everybody is coming around Jesus. Everybody wants to have their miracle, wants to have their healing, but he would not be silenced. He began to cry out more. Verse 49. So uh, verse 48, he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me in 49. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. How powerful is it that when we have faith to speak up, to stand up, to do something that nobody else will do, we can actually make Jesus stand still. We can make our Lord and Savior turn to us and recognize what we're doing. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called him, called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer. Interesting, they just call him blind man. That everybody else was identifying him by what he was wearing. Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And verse 50, this is the, the most important verse in the Bible. And I want you to underline this, highlight it, take a note on your phone, whatever. Blind Bartimaeus does this, and throwing aside his garment, throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered him and said, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbani, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way and watch this. You can underline this as well. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. I think this is such a powerful story, a powerful example as we come into this message. Um, you are what you wear in this, in, this, in this section of what blind Bartimaeus did is he recognized that, that the authority that I have as a beggar, my identity as a beggar is wrapped up in this cloak. But if I want what I, what I really want, if I want to get to where I want to be, if I want to receive the miracle that, that, I know, that I know God has for me, I've actually got to remove my identity. I've got to remove the thing that labels me as a blind man. I've got to re remove my security. He took off his cloak and he cast it to the side. He, he was putting all of his faith, all of his eggs into this basket. Once he left that thing, he didn't know if somebody else was going to come and pick it up, take his identity, take that position, take the authority that he had to sit in the places that he did. He said, it doesn't matter about that. I know that I've got to press in. I know that I've go, got to go and reach out and I know I can grab my miracle if I'll just take off my garment, if I'll leave this old identity, if I'll leave this old way of thinking, if I'll leave this old lifestyle, then I can have what Jesus wants for me. I can have something new. I can have that new life. I can have that new identity. Are there some of us here today where we've got to, to cast aside our security blanket? 
We've got to, we've got to lay down the thing that, that maybe it's been a support in some way. Maybe it's given us some comfort in some way, but it's not God's design for us. It's not his best for us. He has a new identity. He has a new cloak. He has a new name for us, but it takes faith to remove the old. It takes faith to get rid, to shred the old things, to shed your, your jacket, your, your cloak, whatever it is that's labeled you in that way. You have to get rid of it. You have to move it. It, it won't fit with what God has designed for you. Somebody say amen. 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 Maybe there's some of us here today that are, that are facing sickness. Maybe there's um, some debilitating conditions. Maybe, uh, maybe we've even come into agreement with some of the things that have been spoken over us. I know sometimes when we grow up, maybe there's teachers or, or even parents or people in positions of authority in our life that can say things about us that, that aren't really, that don't really uplift us. You know, maybe they, they say things like, oh, well, he's just never going to be good at math. Like, he just doesn't get it. He's never going to get it. Or maybe they'll say, oh, she's, she's just too far gone. She's never going to come back. She's never going to be a productive member of society. Or some people may say things like, well, they just, they just are off on, in their own world. They're off in la-la land, and, and you know, they, they're not really good for anything. You know, and these things can stick with us, especially if it comes from somebody that we love, a person who, who should be lifting us up, who should be speaking life over us, not death. And sometimes we can come into agreement with these word curses, which is what they really are. We can, we can take ownership of it. Oh, well, if everybody else says that I'm stupid, then I guess I'm stupid. Like, why even try? Like, I'm not even going to try in school anymore if everybody else thinks that I'm, my, my, it's a foregone conclusion that I'm going to fail out. And, uh, and what I want to encourage you today, if there's maybe things in your life where people have spoken these word curses over you, spoken death or negativity over you, maybe that's what you need to write down on your card. You need to remove the agreement that you've made with the things that have been spoken over you and start believing what the Bible says about you, that you were made in the image of God, that you're his son, you're his daughter, that you have a hope and a future, and God has written out your destiny for good, not for evil. That we need, to, we need to recognize that uh, the world will absolutely speak to us. The world speaks, speaks to us every single day. We're inundated with, with media. We're inundated with words from the world. But what are we aligning with? Are we aligning with what we hear from the world, or are we aligning with what we hear from the word? There's one truth, there's one way, there's one life in Jesus Christ, and he has good plans for you. Somebody say amen. 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 We need to accept and reinforce his identity, not the identity that's been cast on us by people who don't have our best interests. And maybe, maybe, it's, it's, um, maybe it's not innocent, but maybe it's unknowing. Maybe they don't know what they're saying when they say it. Maybe they don't know that they're assigning a label to you. But, uh, but we can all move past that together. Another, another instance in the Bible that I want to talk about, another situation, is the woman with the issue of blood. And many of us may have heard this as well. It's also in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it's interesting when, when the Bible reiterates things multiple times, it means that there's really something significant and important about it. And that sometimes you need to see it, you need to look at it from different perspectives, different point of views. That's why we have four Gospels. That's why we have the book of Acts, to, to see a lot of the same things, a lot of the same miracles, what God has done from different ways and different perspectives. And so this story in Matthew 9, the woman with the issue of blood, she she, is, she has lived with this condition for 12 years, and she's spent all of her money, everything that she has to try and, and stop this, to try and be healed, to be made well. 
And, and why would she, you know, put so much time and effort into this? Well, in, in this time in history, and especially in the Jewish faith, somebody who has an issue of blood is ceremonially, ceremonially unclean, meaning that they have to wear a specific garment that identifies them as unclean, and they can't be a part of normal society. They have to, to live in a different area. They, they can't associate. They can't come in, even come into contact with the priests or the leaders, the Levites of the day, because then those persons would be unclean, and they would have to go through a ritual to wash and separate them themselves for seven days so that they could then go and serve and, and, and fulfill their role, their function. So this woman, she, she for, for 12 years of her life, has had to, to jump through all these hoops, has had to wear this identity as someone who is unclean, has had to, to separate herself from her family and her friends, everything that she knew growing up because of this identity, because of the condition. And so in Matthew 9, verse 20, and it says, and suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, if only I may, I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. And this is a similar situation to, to Bartimaeus. There's a crowd of people all around Jesus. And, and so many people are crying out, Hosanna and son of David, and, and believe that he is the Messiah. And this woman, she just she feels something in her spirit. Something rises up in her that, that she knows that if she can just get to him, if she can just touch his garment, that, that she would be made well. But there's a lot of risk here because she's not allowed to be around a lot of people. That she has to, she has to remove her identity. She has to remove her fear and launch out in faith. She knows that she needs to get to him. And it's so powerful to me that what she says in her heart is that if I can just touch his garment, if I can just touch his garment, why is that so important? Because she spent the last 12 years of her life wearing a garment that identified her. She was wearing an identity based on that condition. And she, she thought in her spirit, I know what, what my condition is right now. I know what, what I'm wearing identifies me as, as this. But I see this man who some say is the Christ, some say is the Messiah, and I've seen the miracles that he does. He's wearing something different. He's wearing a different cloak. If I can touch his garment, then I believe there's gonna, an exchange is going to happen. I'm going to remove my garment, and I'm going to get what he's got through his garment. I'm going to get power. I'm going to receive that authority. I'm going to be able to wear a new identity, not my old identity, not the identity of sickness, but an identity of faith. An identity of the Son of God is going to be imparted to her just by faith. And, and many of us know the story that when she does this, she reaches out and she grabs the hem of, hem of the garment and immediately she is healed. Immediately she receives what she believed in her heart was going to happen. That's faith. When you can reach out and grab hold and lay hold of what you already believe is going to happen, then it is done. And Jesus said, by your faith, you are made well. There's some of us today that we need to, to step out in faith. We need to believe that, that the identity that Christ has can be transferred to each one of us. And we know we do that when we, when we receive Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior. The identity of a, a son or daughter of God can come onto you, that our sins are wiped away. 
that we are made new. And this woman was made new, and this parable is, is written for us and is given for us to be a picture of that, of what it means to be, to be unclean, to be separated, to be apart, to have an identity that is not of God. But then immediately in a moment, the transformation happens. Immediately when you reach out with faith and say, Lord, help me that I, I cannot do this on my own, that I've tried and tried and tried and nothing that I do, I've spent all my money and I can't get there by myself but you, but God, with that spirit in mind that we can launch out in faith. Are you wearing a garment that makes you feel less than, that makes you feel unimportant, that makes you feel like an outcast? Are you wearing an identity that's been spoken over you or that you've put on yourself that doesn't line up with what God has for you? I know that, that this exchange needs to happen in each one of us because the Bible even tells us that Jesus himself had a similar exchange. When Jesus was put into the grave, they wrapped him with grave cloths. And uh, in, in about the 13th century, uh, someone stepped forward and, and identified that the grave cloths that Jesus Christ has worn were, um, were, had been found. And, uh, and there's some dispute about it, obviously, but in the 13th century, the Shroud of Turin was, was found. And some of you may know about that. It's, a, it's, it's a strips of linen cloth that have the imprint, the figure of a man who was crucified. And, and if you look at the, the blood stains on the cloth, they line up perfectly with the nail marks in Jesus' hands and his feet. And there's blood stains around the head from where the crown of thorns are. And, um, you know, scientists have done some tests and they, they identified that there's, you know, through carbon dating that, um, that, that this cloth was made around the 13th century. But the problem is, um, as scientists have looked at it, they, nobody has been able to replicate how the imprint was made. With the technology at the time, nobody has been able to copy or duplicate with the precision or the accuracy of what is on the Shroud of Turin, the imprint of this figure of a man. And also, there's a couple of places in history as well, where, where there have been earlier sightings of something similar to the shroud. So you can actually create a chain of events, a timeline from 33 AD when Jesus was crucified all the way up to when the shroud was found. And, um, and it does take some faith. You know, it does take some belief. And, um, and the truth is, in, in, in what I believe, is that it doesn't even matter if it's the actual shroud or not. What matters is that it's there. The evidence is there. Because Jesus was wrapped in grave clothes. He was identified as a dead man. But who knows that three days later, he got out of those clothes. He shed that identity. And that was the only thing that was left in the tomb. He cast off the old garment. He cast off that identity to put on a new robe as the Savior of the world. And that he ascended into heaven. He ascended uh, to be with God, his Father, in his new clothes. He had to get rid of the grave clothes. He had to get rid of the old stuff. We need to take off the grave clothes from our lives. We need to remove anything that is dead or dying or decaying from our lives. We've got to get out of the tomb. We've got to start living our life again. I know that's a word for somebody here today, that too long you've been living in isolation, living in separation, living just to, to end out your days. You, you feel like, oh, I'm not, I'm not a productive member of society or, or there's nothing left for me to do. That's an old way of thinking and it's an old lifestyle and you've got to shed it today. And today is your day, friend. Today is the day you move past that old way of thinking, that old identity, that old garment and step into something new. In Luke 5.36, Jesus told this par parable, no one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have 
torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not patch, match the patch from the old. And to me, this speaks of there are certain things in our life where, where we can't be one foot in, one foot out. You know, there's, there's a lot in our life that is good. It is of God, and we should hold on to that. But there's certain things in our life where you can't mix the old and the new. You can't be partway in this thing and partway in that thing. Maybe there's some things that you need to write down on your card today that, that, that are going to fully separate that old thing. They're going to fully cut off that old thing that are going to allow you the ability to, to put on the new garment, to put on the cloak, where you can say, well, I'll, I'll wear a sleeve, one sleeve from this jacket and one sleeve from that jacket. Jacket, and it's going to look silly, and it's not going to function well. There's some things, there's some things that we're wearing that we've got to completely shred and cast aside. There's a, there's a pair of jeans in my closet, a pair of white jeans that Lisa would love to shred. I will not let her. But, uh, you know, and unfortunately right now, because of uh, the holidays, they don't even fit anymore, so she doesn't have to worry about me wearing. But someday, in Jesus' name, maybe after this fast that's coming up, I'll be able to put them back on. The next principle that I want to talk about is wash before wear, wash before wear. And uh, you might be thinking, what's the title of this message? We haven't even got there, but we'll get there in a minute. So this, this section, wash before wear, when you think about uh, some new clothes or, or uh, you know, wearing something new or even something that's just clean, it's, it's kind of important for you to take a shower or bath first to, to wash yourself because if you're dirty and then you put on something clean, then the clean thing is going to become dirty. The same is true for, for um, our identity in Christ, that, that we have been made new. We have been washed clean by his blood so that when we step into the new garment, this new identity, that, that we don't dirty the new garment. You know, it wouldn't do to put on this, this new identity without, without first giving your life to Jesus Christ. Because as we walk through life, we pick up residue in the world. There's things that we do or that are done to us that, that create a film, a layer over us, and we need to be washed clean. And that's why I love it as well that as a church, we do baptisms. And, and on Wednesday, you're going to have the opportunity, if you've never done that, to, to be baptized. We'll bring a tank in, and, and uh, people will pray over you and believe that as you go down into those waters, that you're leaving the old life behind, that you're coming up clean. And so when you're wearing that new identity in Christ, it, it, it's not, one is not going to dirty the other. And, um, and again, the water, there's nothing spiritual about the water itself, but there's a physical significance of making that step. I grew up in the Methodist church, and I was, I was sprinkled as a baby. My parents, you know, had me baptized, but it really wasn't until later in life that I feel like I was really baptized. When I made the personal decision, and in fact, it was during the time when I was in the Air Force, and, and my life had, had been kind of crazy, and I was going through a lot, um, but I had continually felt this pull from God, this tug to come back to Him. And so little by little, I made the changes that I need to make. I, I started going to church again, and I connected with a, another Methodist church because that's what I knew. It's what I grew up with. And um, in this church, they didn't have full immersion in service uh, like we do. But, uh, you know, through the advice of my, my parents, I was encouraged to, to look for an opportunity to get fully baptized. And, and the church did have a way where if you wanted to, they would find somebody in the community uh, in the church to, uh, to open up uh, their house that had a pool where you could be baptized. And so I, I requested that. And, um, and I made the decision to, to rededicate my life to Christ. You know, not because my parents, you know, were asking me to do it or, or anybody else, but it, I just knew that it's something that I needed to do to, uh, to really wash myself clean of the residue that was on my life. 
and so that I could start walking out in freedom and liberty what God had for me. And I think this, this pastor was not used to doing it, uh, the full immersion baptisms, because he, he got me into the, the little pool and uh, he just said some words to me. And then he, he dunked me under the water and then he started to pray. And so I'm just sitting there under the water, looking up, wondering how long this prayer was going to go. My parents were getting a little nervous. But, uh, but I guess he just knew that I had a lot of stuff to wash off. So he's, he's like, no, you need to be down there for a little bit longer. But it's, it's all, it was all good. And I, when I came up, I felt clean. I felt renewed. And I had a, a vision for my life that I was going to continue to walk out my life in a way that honored God. And so I want to encourage you if, you, if you've never been baptized, or maybe you were when you were little, that you can have the opportunity to make that decision to wash yourself clean, to leave the old life behind, and come into something new that God has for you. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And that's so much about what this Sunday is, Shredder Sunday. It's putting the old behind you and walking your life in that new creation. And I wanna, I'm going to finish with this point. And uh, this is the last part of the process um, in transformation that I want to talk about today. And it's also the title of, the, title of this message, Unlimited Free Refills. Unlimited free refills. In John 4, 14, it says, But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I'll drink to that. This, uh, this passage of scripture is uh, part of an interaction that Jesus has with the woman at the well. And some of you may be familiar with that story as well. But this woman who had been married five times and she was living with a man who was not her husband. So she was living outside of the, the will of God. And, um, and she, throughout her life, had been unable to find fulfillment in what she was doing. She had, had tried and tried and tried and, and sought the, the pleasure and the approval of man, but nothing was fulfilling for her. And in fact, she the only reason that she met Jesus in this instance is because um, normally the, the women would come in the morning to draw the water from the well when it was not hot, not the heat of the day. She came at noontime because she was a bit of an outcast. You know, Obviously, she had a checkered past. Obviously, she wasn't living right with God. And, and so she was ostracized. She couldn't, she couldn't join in the community. She couldn't be a part of, of what everyone else was doing. And maybe it was just her own decision. Maybe it was because of pressures from the other people in the community. But because she went when she did, she encountered a man and not just any man. She encountered her savior. She encountered the one man who in the whole world at that exact moment had the ability to fulfill her to bring her into a new life. And we're going to pick up in this story in John 4, verse 25. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. This is really powerful to me because there's only a couple of places in Scripture where Jesus so clearly, so plainly identifies himself as the Christ, as the Messiah, most of the time when he's speaking to religious leaders and, and the Pharisees, he, he, he talks in riddles or he talks vaguely about who he is or he just says, it is, it is as you say I am. You know, but only a couple of times where he identifies himself. And, and I think this is powerful because in this moment, this woman, she needed to know 
the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, because that was the only thing that was going to fulfill her. She had heard lies and lies and lies and stories, and she had believed a lot of them. But because of this interaction where she was, she was aware that there was a Messiah, she was aware that there was a Christ, and in this moment, the man before her became the fulfillment of what was already in her heart. What, we, what she already knew, the potential, the possibility, but she didn't even know the whole story. She didn't even understand at that moment how much she would be redeemed, how much she would be restored. And, and I love this because this is a great picture of how women are really the best evangelists in the Bible. Because immediately after that, she went into the town and she told everybody that could, she could find, come and see, could this be Jesus? Could this be the Messiah? When Jesus rose from the grave, the first person that he met was a woman and he, he gave her the good news. And then she went out and got all of her friends, all of her people. There's something about a woman who is passionate, who believes something that can, can be a great evangelist, be a great salesperson. This message, Unlimited Free Refills, this, the, the thing that I wanted to share with you, to impart to you today, is that once we've, once we've cast aside an old identity, once we've been washed clean by what Jesus did, that we have the opportunity to encounter not just our Lord and Savior, but His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, where we can actually walk out the rest of our life not worrying about falling into the same pit, not worrying about picking up the old cloak again. How is that? It's simple, living water. This is a spring that comes out of it. It continually refreshes us. When we open up our hearts to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, that, that the way that Jesus puts us in this scripture is He said, you will never have to drink again if you take from this well, His well, well, the well of Jesus Christ, that you won't even need to drink water. Can you imagine never having to drink water again because you're already refreshed? You have unlimited free refills already in your spirit. You never have to take another sip again because Jesus will continually refresh you. There's a, there's a painting that came to mind when I was thinking about this message and thinking about this, this word, free refills. Is anybody familiar with the artist M.C. Escher? M.C. Escher, anybody? A couple people in the back. M.C. Escher, he's a very, very unique artist. He paints very extraordinary pictures. He's a Dutch artist, and he was fascinated with geometry, geometric state uh, shapes and repeating patterns. And, um, and like, there's really nobody else that's like him. Once you've seen one of his paintings, um, and there's, there's like so many that you can kind of recognize there's a, there's a lot in there. But one of the other things that he painted about was, was the blend of 2D and 3D. He liked, he liked to take different planes and different perspectives and, and put them into a picture that, um, that maybe like wouldn't make sense naturally, but there's, there's something so unique about it. And so I want to show you a picture right now. One of his most famous ones, the, this is the Escher Waterfall. And it seems like a pretty straightforward picture at first. It seems like, oh, yeah, that's a nice little little town or building. There's the mill there and the lady who's hanging out the laundry there and little garden as well with some strange-looking trees and stuff. But, but it, it looks kind of normal. But as you focus in on this picture, I want you to recognize that, that this waterfall, though it may look okay at first, it's actually an impossibility. It seems uh, from a 2D on the 2D plane, oh yeah, that looks fine. But if you look at the water coming down, going over the mill, and then it, this little stream flows, but the stream actually flows up to the waterfall again. It actually replenishes itself. It cycles back through. And um, you can sit here and stare at this picture a long time. There's so many unique characteristics about, about it that, um, that are just not possible in the natural. 
It's just not something that would ever happen. And I thought this was a great picture of what God does in us. This is a picture of living water. It continually refreshes itself. It continually goes through this cycle. And even, I love that he has this mill in here because as the waterfall comes down, it turns the mill and it actually creates a product. It produces something, it does work. So this is actually a perpetual motion machine. And, uh, and it's constantly producing work. But there's, there's an outflow because of it. All the grain that comes into that mill is continually produced, and bread can be made, and people can be fed, and all of that, this can happen because of the living water, because of something that's impossible in the natural, but with God, all things are possible. Maybe we need some, uh, some of this in our life. Maybe we need the energy to, to keep on working, to keep on doing. Where does that even come from? How do we keep going? How do we keep pushing? How do, we, how do we raise our kids the right way? Day after day, thank God his mercies are renewed every day for me. As I'm a parent, we need it. And some parents said amen. How do we keep believing that our kids are going to be restored? Maybe they're off the rails. Maybe they're far from God. How do we keep believing? How do we keep looking out to the horizon, dreaming of the day when they're going to come back home, not just to us, but to their heavenly father? It's through living water. It's through living water. There's really no other explanation that I have that we can keep pressing in, that we can fighting the good, keep fighting the good fight of faith, that we can keep believing for the blessings of God on our life in the face of a, of a dark time. And, and yes, it has been challenging for us in this country, but the truth is that it's not near as challenging for us as it has been for so many Christians around the world for centuries and for millennia. They've been fighting this fight only through living water, only through the, the presence of Holy Spirit in their life. So what I want to encourage us today as we come to a close, and I want to end with this scripture, John 7, 38. How do we allow this living water to flow through us? Verse 38, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from them, from within them, will flow from within them. By this, he meant the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. It's interesting that the disciples, they got, they got a picture of, uh, of the relationship with Jesus, but it wasn't until he departed, it wasn't until he left that they actually had the impartation of the Holy Spirit. Because it says, up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. When we think about the things that we're shredding today, the things that we're getting rid of, the old identities that we're casting off and, and we're stepping out in faith for everything that God has for us, we have to remember that there, there's got to be a flow in our life. Like that picture, there's got to be a cycle. There's got to be something that's produced. There's something that's, that's flowing out. Because if we're always just receiving, always just having thing comes, things come in and nothing is ever going out, then we're going to turn into a swamp. That's, that's the definition of a swamp, where it receives, 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 and there's no outflow. We've got to allow there to be a constant exchange that, that even after we're saved, even after we put on this new identity in Christ, that as we walk through the world, stuff is still going to try and attach itself to us. And every now and then, stuff does jump onto us. We get a little bit of a residue. So we need this constant refreshing. We need this constant cleaning, and that is through the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you today that, that submit yourself to the process, wherever you're at in this process. And Pastor Lisa and I, all of us, Pastor Jurgen and Leanne, they're constantly submitting to God the things that, are, that are, have attached themselves to them that, that are not lining up with the vision that he has. So there's three things I want to focus on as we close. One is to remove the things that are, not, that are of this world that don't need to be of your world anymore. Those things that you're writing down on the card that you're getting rid of, that you're shredding. 
allow, allow those things to, to leave your hand and, and believe that they're not going to reattach themselves. You've got to wash yourself clean with the water of the word. And maybe there's some of us here today that we need to claim our identity in Christ. In just a moment, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to give you the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord's Lord and Savior, to be fully washed clean, redeemed of all of the sins of your past, present, and future, that you can submit your life into his hands, and he will make you truly clean. Maybe you even did this at one point in your life, but you felt that through the course of life, like I did, you drifted apart from the design that God had for you. You drifted apart from the relationship that he so desires with you. And you know today that you need to rededicate your life to him. You need to rededicate your walk to him. You need to reclaim that identity. So right now, why don't we do this? If we can all stand to our feet, I want to pray for you. If you would like to give your life to Jesus Christ, accept him as your Lord and Savior. Claim his identity. Remove the old cloak and put on that new garment, that white gar garment, white as snow, that he has prepared for you. Can we do this right now? Can we all bow our heads and close our eyes? If, if that's you today, if you'd like to receive Jesus Christ, and maybe you never have or maybe you did at one point, but you know this is the day you need to rededicate yourself, would you lift up your hand? I'd love to pray with you. Who are those ones? You wanted to claim that new identity. God bless you. Thank you so much. Who are those ones? You need to put on that new garment, that new identity in Christ, remove the old, become a new creation in him. Anyone else like that today? You'd like to receive Jesus Christ. You'd like to move past your old mistakes, your old sins, and have that new life with him. Feel like there's maybe just one or two more people, and maybe, maybe you're the ones to see that hand. God bless you. So proud of you. Maybe you feel like there's, there's a moment right now where maybe, just maybe, despite my mistakes, despite the fact that I, that I was once walking with Jesus, I've kind of taken my life back into my own hands, but I know that today that he can restore me, that he can redeem me. Who are those ones? You just need to rededicate your life. I don't want to embarrass you. I'm not going to bring you down to the front. I just want to know who I'm praying with, who I'm praying for. Anybody like that today? God bless you. Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we do this? I feel that there's maybe some people here today um, who have somebody in their world, in their life, maybe it's a son or daughter or, or a parent even, or a grandparent that you know is far from God. And you'd like to say a prayer today, believing that they're gonna restore their relationship with their heavenly father. If that's you today, would you lift up your hand? There's somebody in your life, so many hands all around this building. When I say this prayer, I want you to speak out this prayer, believing in faith that, that it's gonna apply to that person in your life. Why don't we all say this today? Say, dear heavenly father, Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to give me a new identity, an identity as a son or daughter of the Most High God. I thank you that I repent of my sins, that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, that I will wear this new identity in faith and believing that God is my father, heaven is my home, and I will live out my life in a way that honors him. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.